And so today begins the new liturgical year for us, and uh, we celebrate this year, year B of the three-year cycle, which means that we have the readings are predominantly from St. Mark's Gospel for the Gospel passage, uh, as well as portions of St. John's Gospel, because typically Matthew is read in year A, Luke is year C, but Mark is only half the length of either of those. And so there's kind of lots of gaps and things that we can fill in. And so they use St. John's Gospel to kind of uh, increase the, the richness of the story and to be able to have more of St. John present there. But it's especially helpful for us. Uh, you know, each of the Gospels you know, has, its own, has its own merit and value as to, as to why it has a, a particular place in the life of the church. But for us, uh, reflecting on the reason of the goodness of St. Mark's Gospel, reflecting this year as we'll, as we'll read through it um, sequentially, is that St. Mark's Gospel is the preaching of St. Peter. That's not often thought about, you know, it's just kind of St. Mark's Gospel, but the scriptures recount how Mark was there with Peter and, and, and you know, writing these things down, because it's, it's the, really, it's the preaching of Peter that St. Mark was writing, because St. Mark, he's, uh, whenever he's speaking about uh, the things of the Lord, it sounds like our blessed Lord was perpetually amped up on espresso, uh, because it was immediately he did this, and 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 it's just, it reads at a real quick pace. If anybody wants to, you know, kind of get excited by the gospel or something, read St. Mark, because it's also, it can be read to start to finish in less than two hours, the whole of the gospel. And the reason is, is because this is basically a teaching that St. Peter would be giving. Whenever Peter would go, whenever they go to a different place, they'd set up shop in the center of town. And because people didn't have YouTube and Netflix and all the things that we like to just sit there and binge watch things, they would go to the center of town and see what's happening that day. They would go sit in the, in the marketplaces and listen to people that were speaking. Because sometimes some, some enlightened mind would be passing through or some new thing would be taught and they would want to hear. And so people would go and they would listen and Peter would speak for an hour and a half, two hours, three hours or so, speaking about the Lord Jesus, telling the story from start to finish of who is this man and why we should follow him. It's beautiful, the, the richness of St. Mark's gospel, uh, reflecting upon that. Again, the, the preaching of St. Peter and as always, an encouragement for us. I would encourage you to go ahead and, and kick off the year of, of reading St. Mark by just reading the whole gospel of St. Mark. Just read it in one shot or two shots if you need. But to be able to spend time with the Word of God, specifically St. Mark's gospel, is a wonderful gift for us this whole year. And all of that is simply to draw ourselves and our attention to the fact that they were beginning a new liturgical year. I could well wish you Happy New Year right now, much to everyone's confusion on December 3rd or whatever today is, huh? Nobody bats an eye about Merry Christmas on November 18th, but that's a different discussion and a different, uh, a different you know, point. But it's for us to come here and to rejoice in the gift of, of a new year, a new liturgical year. And we all love something new, right? Something fresh and clean, something that gives you a, a new start, a clean slate, we don't have to carry around the stuff that's, you know, the, the stuff of what was before. It's just a fresh start. And how wonderful to be able to do this, specifically in our lives and the faith. Because it, it is clear that whenever we go through this earthly life, we can be drowsy. 
we can fall into a spiritual slumber where we get caught up in, in so many things that are urgent around us and, and all the stuff of life that we have to keep up with of, of taking care of the house, taking care of kids, taking care of things at work, taking care of things for ourselves, taking care of all kinds of things and busy about so much. And we can become Martha consumed by so many things and negligent of the one thing that matters most. Our faith can suffer. And that's why our Lord gives us a final encouragement today to stay awake, to be alert, to watch. Interestingly, as we're starting the year of St. Mark's Gospel, we're actually kind of kicking off pretty much at the end of it. This is the end of the 13th chapter of St. Mark's Gospel that we begin today, and there are only 16 chapters in the Gospel itself. So this is, this is right before our blessed Lord gets to the end of, his, of, the, of the Last Supper, of his death and the resurrection. So right there at the very end, before he, before he leaves his disciples, he bids them stay awake and keep watch. We don't know the hour when the Master will come, essentially, because he soon will be leaving, and they will have to wait for him. And we have to wait for him because he still hasn't returned yet. And so we keep waiting. And we all know that the longer we wait, the easier it becomes to presume, well, maybe he's just not coming. St. Peter even acknowledged that in the life of the early church. Writing in his, writing in his own letter, um, St. Peter writes, he says, you know, some people say the delay of the Lord just means that he's not really coming back. You know, just kind of, we misunderstood him, right? And so that's not the case. Our Lord's delay is for our salvation, he tells us. It is for us to continue to grow in grace, to grow in holiness, to grow in number as we continue to spread the gospel that more and more souls might come to know the goodness of knowing Jesus and enter into his kingdom. This is the reason for his delay. And it's for us to continue for ourselves, to labor in the vineyard, to stay awake and to keep watch with all of these things. The Advent season is a, a, a time of immense watchfulness. It's for us to, to long for the coming of the Savior. All through the Advent season, we read, uh, from, the, we read from the prophets, especially the prophet Isaiah, but uh, the, the, all of the prophets are, are read throughout the course of Advent to be able to highlight the, the longing, the anticipation, the expectation of the people of Israel for the coming of the Savior. All the things that they had heard, the little bits here and there of longing for the day. How beautiful. The, I love the, the, the passage of Isaiah today. Oh, Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down to us. Lord, we know that you're up there. Just rip open the sky and come be with us. Right? It's like someone's hiding behind the veil. Just, just pull it aside and let us see you. Be with us. Come down to us. And what does he do with the incarnation? He descends from the heavens into the womb of Our Lady and is born. The desire of the people of Israel was fulfilled. He bent, he rent over the heavens and he came down to us. He ascended at the end of his earthly life and he sits at the right hand of the Father in glory now. But he will come again. The, the heavens will be torn open once again. And he will come not simply to come to visit us with a good word, but he will come to bring judgment to us. He will come in the end, hopefully, to bring us to the kingdom of our Father, to bring us home. That expectation that the Jewish people had of longing for the Savior to come from the first, we are called to have the same exact 
anticipation and expectation for his second coming, to long within our hearts for it to happen, and to pray that we might rejoice to see the day. How tremendous would be the joy of so many hearts. And so it's for us to keep watchful of these things. Again, not to be sleepy in spirit, not to allow ourselves to become consumed with the things of the world and forget the presence of the good Lord, not to allow ourselves in our life of prayer to be choked out by busyness of things, by the fact that the Lord hasn't come and we simply can presume upon more time, but rather to stay awake and keep our eyes on him. Because this is how I think the, the watchfulness of our Lord can be especially affected within us. As we're, as we're you know, called to be watchful of, of the Lord and anticipating a preparation for Christmas in a few weeks, but also for his coming at the end of time, whatever that may be, the best way for us to be prepared for that is to continue to watch him where he is here and now. Because he's not somewhere else. He's right here in our midst. He's there in the tabernacle. He remains with us. Before he left, he said, Behold, I'm, I'm with you always. I will not leave you orphans, but I'm with you to the end of the age. He ascended in his body, but he nonetheless has remained in here, in his mystical body in the church, and also the, the wondrous the mystery of the Holy Eucharist. He stays here with us. And if we, be, if, we, if we would be ready for his second coming, it is for us to continue to look upon him as he is here and now. Attending Holy Mass is a basic starting point. To be able to have the joy of looking upon the face of God in the Eucharist. Again, the people of Israel longed for these things. They had, they had 12 loaves of bread that they would keep in the temple. They would keep it always before the, the Holy of Holies, the place that was the dwelling place of God. And they kept 12 loaves of bread every single day that was there, and they would refresh it every week. And the, the bread that was there would be consumed by the priests. They called that bread the bread of the face. It was the face of God. It was a special bread. It was a unique thing. It was a holy bread. And they longed to see the face of God. And they, they fainted the, the thought of it in mere bread. But here we have super substantial bread. The bread that's been changed in its very form. Its substance has become not just bread, but the flesh of God. And we can look upon him face to face. The liturgy itself has, has been changed over the centuries to facilitate this looking upon the face of Jesus. And it wasn't until about the, the 12th century or so that the elevation of the host after the consecration took place. Before then, the priest would pray the words of consecration. He would genuflect. He would place the host back upon the corporal or place the chalice back upon the corporal cloth on the altar and then continue on with the prayers. But it was in the, in the 12th century that Eucharistic miracles had taken place by this time. The Feast of Corpus Christi had, had been instituted and it was Eucharistic processions started to take place. People wanted to see the Eucharist, not just receive him in a brief moment, but to see him, to look upon him for a longer period of time. And so the liturgy itself changed as there was in the, midst of the, in the midst of the consecration, not simply the consecration and then a continuation, but rather a consecration and the host would be lifted up, the chalice lifted up, that everyone might be able to see. 
to see the one we had longed for and to allow that hunger to continue to increase within our hearts, to look forward to receiving him, look forward to him coming to us as he does each Mass. If we are willing to stay with our blessed Lord in Holy Mass, coming to Eucharistic adoration, or spending time in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament in the tabernacle, if we keep our eyes fixed on him, we will not be taken by surprise on the day of his coming. Furthermore, if we are attentive to the Word of God, we will be even more prepared. Because the Word of God is that living Word, that effective Word that has the power to pierce our hearts and to convert us, to convict us, to change us. Reminded of St. Augustine of, of Hippo, a great doctor of the Church, a great convert of the Church, who in the midst of, uh, in the midst of his, his you know, being converted, was there one day and heard the words, tole lege, take it up and read it. And he looked over, and there next to him was the Word of God. And he picked it up, and he read. And he was pierced to the heart of the truth of these things. His conversion began by reading the Word of God. And countless saints of the Church can say exactly the same. And I pray that every last one of you can as well. That the Lord has, at least at some point, in some way, spoken to you through his scriptures and called you to himself, brought you consolation of heart, encouragement, peace, challenge, clarity, something. His word continues to speak. And if we would be ready, we simply have to remain with him in the Eucharist and attentive to his word in the sacred scriptures. Because if we are there, he will lead us to where he needs us to be. If we are not living as we ought, he will let us know. If we are to do something that we are not presently doing, he will let us know. If there is anything within us that needs to be changed in any way, shape, or form to better prepare us for the coming of our Lord, he will let us know. And it's for us to keep watch here and now in a very practical, concrete circumstance. Holy Mass, times of prayer, attentiveness to the Word of God as He speaks to us, and to know that if we are attentive to these things, we will keep our eyes always upon the Lord Jesus, and when He comes at the end, there will be no surprise. There will be great expectation will be fulfilled, the joy of our hearts finally achieved.